0: What's up, everybody? I'm David Hain, and I'd like to welcome you to episode 13 of the A to D from Addict to Disciple podcast. I'd especially like to welcome and give a big shout out to the country of India. We have new listeners from there last week. And that brings our total up to 12 countries reached through these podcasts. Today's episode is part two of the two-part interview with Dion from Durban, South Africa. I hope you enjoy as he shares more about his memories in his time of addiction how they keep trying to mess with him in his recovery, and how he has found the answer to stay strong in his recovery and hopefully yours. As we get into the second half of your interview, Dion, could you tell us about the shift in your addiction when you moved from Durban to Johannesburg?
1: When I started working in Johannesburg, the kind of crowd I joined in was um, all these high flyers, um, and everybody was into the the new drug. At that time, we were just getting introduced to cocaine. So all the high flyers, all the sales guys were all into cocaine. And uh, yeah, so we also fell into the same trap. And uh, it became the so-called rich man's drug down here. So, whoever did cocaine, you were you were classified as a rich person. So it actually brought a bit of a status to you, to boost your ego at that time.
0: Yeah, it, it builds up your whole persona, so to speak. You know, if you mix the the high life, loving the party scene, loving the nightlife, and you're the one with the money to keep it rolling, so to speak, um, it just gives you a a huge false self confidence.
1: Correct, and it also, made, I mean, it made me the most arrogant, disrespectful person. And uh, my wife stands testimony to that. And she says, "You were just rude to people because you had money, and uh, you had money. So when people tried to to talk to me, when pastors and friends tried to talk to me about my addiction, I I I, I just snubbed them off um, because I told I my my. my my famous line was, it's my money, not yours. So please leave me alone.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So how do you uh, find fun now? Can you still party or go out dancing or listen to music and stay sober?
1: Over the past six years of my recovery, um, we had a lot of house parties with family and loved ones, close family and loved ones with no alcohol present. I mean, everyone respects the fact that I'm in recovery, and we still enjoy ourselves in a sober state. Um, to me, it was a it was a new way of life because previously I could only party if I had alcohol in the system. I needed alcohol to give me that um, that boost, so to speak, to dance or to become sociable or to chat. And then the drugs will come in, and, and yeah. I needed something, but with a new way of life, it took a bit of a, a task uh, with the coaching of my wife and them. And so it, I had to develop a new person to enjoy the music and to enjoy the dancing without the use of alcohol and uh, just to party and, uh, and have good clean fun. I also changed the type of music I listened to uh, because with my addiction, there was certain music uh, genres and also certain songs that I continuously played while I was an active addiction because it gave me motivation and and I loved the beat of it and it just helped with my with my ego and my drug addiction so I made a good change um, with all my music and uh, just changed over um, also with the socials the so-called social scene uh, down here. It took me a long time to get back. Um, I now choose wisely before I agree to any, to attend any family functions or parties. Um, if, there's, if I know there's going to be certain rowdy drunks that may attend. I stay away from booze parties or places which I know may have a lot of alcohol or misbehaved people. Um, I do have friends that consume alcohol, but in a minimal standard whereby we can go out and they will have one or two drinks with their meal for the whole night and still be responsible and well-mannered. Um, So I had to change over my whole uh, roster of friends, friends, uh, places I used to visit and uh, kind of become a boring person first. And then slowly started developing and getting back character to, uh, to get back in the, in the social scene, so to speak.
0: That's great. That's great. You're really focusing on not just, Um, your behavior but your choices of the situations you put yourself in and the people you're around
1: yes Um, being a person in recovery I now can't stand being around people that um, are drunk or high Um, it just irritates me and angers me so to avoid situations like that I just um, politely uh, turn down an invitation if I know that what's the party going to be like or who's going to be there uh, there's also been certain people that also try, were, were triggers for me in the past so I also avoid them uh, politely as much as possible and uh, the best the best uh, place that we could ever party at it was always at home so my wife enjoyed it and uh, her whole family um, support it and uh, we have a lot of fun clean, sober fun. And uh, thankfully, uh, most of her, uh, my, my, wife, my wife's family are mostly uh, pastors and <laughs> believers, so nobody does do alcohol. So it's been much easier to deal with the situation.
0: So you had mentioned you're six plus years sober now. Um, what memories do you hold on to that you've learned a lesson from and, and gained wisdom from them?
1: Um, I think those memories will be memories of all the health issues um, that I had whilst in active addiction. Those were really scary health issues, and by the grace of God, um, I I recovered from them. Um, Also, memories of feeling lost and alone when I was homeless, Uh, memories of permanently crying and wanting to die, Uh, those things I, I, I keep very close so whenever um a trigger comes up or something that tempts me, I always go back and uh, go to those memories and and realize this is where I was, do I want to go back there and automatically that temptation and and whatever the case is is gone because those those were deep hurts that i that I carried because of the addiction
0: Awesome, awesome. You had mentioned your your wife and her family a couple times. Uh was she were you married to her during your addiction and and what strength did you gain from her looking back?
1: Wow, this, this family has been a true blessing. I mean, I've got one of the most powerful mom in laws. Um they introduced me to the late Pastor Rod Shires uh, at my previous church in Johannesburg. He was also one of the great inspirations to help me uh, get rid of the habits. With with my wife and family, we they knew I was in addiction uh, before I got married, but they didn't know what was addiction because I was a functional alcoholic and I was a functional drug addict. So... I hid everything, and I masked my life quite well because I went to work on time. Um, all my bills were paid up. Uh, I never, I never missed work. I came home. I I sat. Uh, I ate my meals. I spoke to the family, and and I, and I did consume alcohol, but I always hid and he hid the amounts, so that nobody knew the exact amounts I was drinking, and I and. I had a, a, a garage where I hid my drugs, so whenever I went out to smoke or do drugs, nobody knew that I was doing drugs. So for many years, I, I masked my addiction, and then until it um, really spiraled out of control. And these people tried to help me. Um, they 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 played a very very big part in my addiction for like six for about six years. And they tried to put me to rehabs. They took me for counseling. They introduced me to Jesus. They actually put me on track with Jesus. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, they taught me about prayer and uh, they were the praying type. Even when I got married, I was still in active addiction and it was up and down because I used to stop for a couple of months and go back and then stop again and go back. Um, I lost everything three times in my life. and I used to get it back, lose it again, get it back. Uh, but then the last one, my wife said, she said, after I, I was homeless, she told me that she's not going to divorce me, uh, but I need to go and find God. And when I find God, she will come back to my life. And uh, I, I took that and I left it. And uh, my mummy you know, and uh, all the other family members continued to pray for me while I was homeless. And by the grace of God, um, I humbly believe that it's because of those people's earnest prayer that I'm in recovery today. Awesome. They've stood by me. They've, yeah, they've stood by me. Um, up, to, up to today, no matter what decisions I make, they still stand by me. And uh, every decision we made so far was a positive one. And, uh, yeah, I managed to get my respect back from all the whole family, family. Um, a lot of people in the communities uh I've, I've managed to regain my respect because i've I've done some really messy stuff um, so yeah so I'm, I'm grateful to God for them and uh, for them to to stand by me through this whole i mean it's, it's been a ten year battle for them as well yes uh, yeah
0: awesome. you' mentioned uh a, a dear brother of mine who who passed just this year. Uh, Pastor Rod Shires, and that's how we met you and I, through Rod. Correct. And uh, I'd like to dedicate this interview to him. I'm sure you would join me with that to his memory and and the legacy that he has left behind. Is there any one thing that you could think of that he shared with you that's really stuck?
1: The man showed me unconditional love. I mean, no matter what... As as many times as I relapsed and I go back to him for counselling, he always smiled, always hugged me. And he always showed me grace and, and never judged me. He never scolded me. He did... He did take on a bit of a father figure at the time. He, 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 he enforced it with me Says because I was a bit of out, out of control at one, uh, at one stage in my life. And I agreed to it. And it actually... Uh, grew us much closer, and um, yeah, I mean, he's been a one. Wonder- he, he actually led me to Christ. Um, he taught me about the Bible. Uh, with my would my family and him, they 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 actually worked to teach me about the Bible, because I was a fully blown atheist, and uh, yeah. And then he talked me about how to pray, and how to just keep the faith, and and uh, would like Matthew twenty one verse twenty two, uh, whatever you. You, whatever you ask for in prayer to God, if you believe, you will receive. Um, and, I, and, I, and I stick that verse in my head for the rest of my life. Mm. Uh, yeah, he's been a wonderful, wonderful saint in my life. And uh, I thank God for him.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for just sharing with me today. Um, I'm sure this will touch and impact many people Uh, in various parts of the world we've got people in 11 countries that I know of that listen to the podcast now so is there any final word of wisdom you'd like to pass on to the listeners
1: I would say for any suffering addict out there the the one thing that changed my life was God Um, I stood by the one promise I made and, and the very last promise I made before I, uh, I could recover was that I will not go back to alcohol no matter how bad the withdrawals are. I made a promise to God I'll never go back and no matter how bad the withdrawals go, I said I'd rather die because of, of my of the withdrawals than give in and go back and start using. And as I prayed... And over the years, I've seen it with my own eyes. No matter what prayer I prayed, or how small the prayer was, it came true. It some didn't happen as fast as the the rest of it. Some are some I'm still waiting for. But whatever I seeked and earnestly asked God, and I prayed for, came through. Yeah, I prayed for my my full recovery, my health, my my family, my wife, my job, and everything to date. Has come, to, has come to me and I really appreciate it. So the biggest motivation I can give any of is God is there and he will set you free and answer your prayers.
0: Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this powerful two-part interview with Dion from Durban, South Africa. Please follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Share the podcast link with two or three people this week. Keep sending your feedback. And if you would like to be part of a weekly Zoom meeting on addiction or recovery, contact me by email at davidfromatod at gmail.com or by Instagram at davidfroma2d. Tune in next Monday for the next episode of the A to D from Addict to Disciple podcast.